regular, regular, regular features. A regular, regular, regular features. A regular, regular, regular features. A regular features show. Welcome to Regular Features. The podcast. God, I wish you'd both said the same thing. It would have been so much better. Should we try it again? Welcome to Regular. But I want to say it, and then I want you to guess what the other one might say and try and say the same thing at the same time. So no prep. He knows I'm actually deferring to authority. Yeah. Welcome to Regular Features. The podcast! Shit. (laughs) Shit. Shit. (laughs) You fucking prisoner dilemma me. One more. I told you I deferred to authority. (laughs) One more. Okay. Welcome to Regular Features. Features! The the same everywhere! (laughs) We would never get out of prison if we were in the prisoner's dilemma. I'm joined by a pair of fucking nitwits. (laughs) John Logblythe. Hello. Hi, doodle. Steve Hogarty. Hi. And this is the podcast that's the same every single week, as you'd know, if you fucking listen to it. Uh, I'm just, I'm back. I'm back. Don't worry. It's fine. Uh, and I've lost my sense of smell. That's what everything I'm going to talk about is about today. But you've gained a friend. I have gained a friend, and you'll hear all about it. What about you, boys? Well, I am going to take you on a, a voyage to wherever it is that Inuits come from and their fairy tale land. The North <laughs> Circular. Mm. <laughs> I am doing a, a coronavirus feature. But it's not funny. No, it's not funny at all. Because people are dead. I mean, people actually are dead. Yeah, so. no. And like, you're going to find out my uncle is in a hotel in Tenerife right now. Dead. Oh, Crimea River. He's in a hotel in Tenerife. Yeah, they won't oh, let him go. Oh, and God. there's room service. <laughs> oh, God. Let's try once more. Yeah. Welcome to Regular Features. Features. The Features. podcast. That's the oh, fuck's no. sake. Sucking on my features like you want and they calling me all the time. I'm running to get my frizzy features behind all the time. Regular Features. Regular Features. Regular Features. Oh! A personal news section from me, Joseph Scrabbles, returning hero. Welcome home. <laughs> oh, welcome. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. We we enjoyed your really astonishingly long form feature oh, last it. week. Yeah. <laughs> so it became so long because I sat in my room and realised I didn't have to be anywhere for three hours and just went, "This is all I'm gonna do for these three hours." Did you it do? Became I... twenty five minutes, and I I haven't seen anyone complain about it yet, so it's probably fine. <laughs> I had to, I, with my one, I had to go to a, a, a film screening. Oh, it was Call of the Wild at Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. I had to go to a film screening of that. Uh, so I quickly did a, a Catherine Picard thing. Yeah. And I realized that if I opened up the sofa bed and climbed inside it, it was a really good recording environment. Climbing inside your soap. Can you yeah. get... That's the way you trap your arm. That's That's been yeah. in the news recently. <laughs> yeah, that's like that man who died in a cinema seat <laughs> by getting stuck looking for his phone. Yeah. Why? It was a, a, one of those, you press the button and it automatically reclines. So it was a mechanical seat. Mm. Oh, God, and he's, he went in there and his knee hit the button and it, and it crushed, him. crushed his neck and beheaded him. Clean off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
I've never heard someone say clean off like that. That's, that's the most amused <laughs> clean off that's ever happened. Oh. Ooh. No, I left I, my I, legs dangling out <laughs> of the sofa bed. <laughs> Did you really? Was, yeah. <laughs> that would look so good. <laughs> that was like face down, head forward towards the microphone, going... I'm Captain John Luke Picard of the USS Enterprise. Oh, I wish you'd got Reese to take a picture of that. That could have been the album art. Yeah. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever seen that episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia where Danny DeVito's stuck in a sofa? Yes. That's exactly yes. what I'm imagining. Well, this you, is... incredibly sweaty and nude with your legs sticking straight out. I was going to say, for the reader's benefit, he was nude and sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> But oh. that is all to say that my feature was short and yours was beautiful and long. It was I, capacious. I do want to know, before you get on with today's features, mm. did you read the Space Jam synopsis? Mm. Did you memorise it? Is it just a film you've got memorised? But mm -hmm. you, you read it beautifully and I felt like I was there for the whole film. I read it. From Wikipedia with insertions yeah, for so the like, character like, based, based, on do my, that these days. <laughs> based, based on my extensive knowledge of the film Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, that's a, a lift up the skirt of last week's episode. Yeah. But since last week's episode, I've lost my sense of smell, as you may Whoa. have heard previously, depending on what we've left in. I know not where it is gone, but I know what took it. I got back from a cool transatlantic flight, didn't sleep for 48 hours, and when I recovered, my nose was just kaput. How did you recover from not sleeping for 48 hours? By having a sleep? Big sleep. <laughs> a big sleep. <laughs> a big old sleep where I came out of it ill, and then the illness receded, but my smell did not accede back oh, into my ooh. head. Uh, so you left your smell in dreams? I think my dreams have my smell. I've not I think it's a Kate explored Bush that part. <laughs> I left my smell in dreams. <laughs> That's an excuse for Kate Bush, your character, to come back. Uh, when, oh, yeah. A fun thing. Can you tell I've scripted this? A fun thing to say in the past was Dingo ate my baby. Well, now I gift culture. Jet lag took my smells away. <laughs> my nose is basically a waste of my face now. Like someone stuck an abstract beige sculpture of a bird to the front of my head with superglue and without permission. <laughs> when I used to ask scientists what the fucking point of the thing is when it's nicer to breathe through a mouth anyway, they'd say things like, Joe, smells are pretty important, you know? But I asked one this week after my nose madness had happened and he just shuffled about and looked at the ground all embarrassed. And then he ran away and I threw stones at him and I cried. <laughs> His point was clear. There's no point in your nose anymore, and it being there is just drawing attention to your fucked head. <laughs> Remember our burgeoning hashtag, smell the well? This feels like That's, a cruel joke now. That didn't take off the way we thought it would. <laughs> no, I think we got three tweets, one of which was me. <laughs> As if to kick me in the smell balls, I can barely even taste things now either. Is that true? Yeah. I can taste like the outlines of things. So if you tasted Coca-Cola, would you just know sweet, registered? That's my first one. Oh. Coca-Cola tastes like water made of false smiles. Ah. <laughs> I knew it was Coca-Cola because you'd said it before we interrupted you. Oh, well done. <laughs> That's how Darren Brown does it. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> so what card were you thinking of? 
Eight of, was it the eight of spades? It also shows, <laughs> also shows how little I pay attention to improv interjections. <laughs> Uh, it was like you were so eagerly clutched onto it, you forgot what you were saying. <laughs> Come on, say it, say it, say it, say the next thing. Gherkins, like an acidic toe, being <laughs> jabbed into my mouth by an accuser. And pie? Pie tastes like shit. <laughs> I am a lost soul, being led aimlessly through the world by my defunct schnoz. <laughs> I'm glad you like schnoz. Laughed at schnoz. <laughs> sitting in front of the rest of my, my... My schnoz is sitting in front of the rest of my body, as if to say, well, if the rest of him is as shit as me, you might as well steer clear, love. Sometimes my eyes defocus for a second and I get a little hint of an image of the nose, like he's hiding from me quite badly. And when that happens, I scream, BETRAYER! <laughs> and try and get an erection so that one working bit of me is in front of the rest like a kind of good tourism advert for the Isla de Scribel. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I'm upset about this development, essentially, but it has had one upside where much of my week has been spent moping about all the BO I won't get to smell anymore. There has been one small turn in my life. My bad, bad nose has allowed me to achieve a long-held dream of mine, with few of its regular repercussions. Any good friend of mine will already know what I'm talking about. And yes, spoiler alert, I did it. I climbed into the depths and came out smelling like roses. No, better. I came out smelling of nothing. Yes. I went surfing on a fatberg. <laughs> Yes, I climbed into London's oldest sewers, stood on a pipe-condensed mountain of nappies, condoms, flushable wipes, and dog muck done by dogs that know how to use a toilet, and I rode it from Greenwich to Perryvale, like some kind of Ke Kelly Slater for the Bow Selector generation. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you... what the, ac the access that IGN gets you is astonishing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you how I did it, with a step-by-step -step guide for anyone else who suddenly loses nose power. Step one, locate the coolest Fatberg. <laughs> Obviously, the most famous Fatberg is the now deceased Whitechapel Fatberg that was deconstructed in 2018. But what's 2020 London's hippest, most happening FB, as they call it on the web? <laughs> Look no further than Greenwich and what local art graffiti artists and baristas have dubbed the Meridian Monster. 40 square metres of pure, undiluted filth. The monster combines the upmarket local population's high-ply bog roll and chopped-up au pairs and combines them with thick brown Thames water straight from the source. There is no competition. Step two, pretend to be a make-a-wish. No one, including the NHS clinician I talked to this morning, has seemingly ever heard of what's happened to me, and the only advice has been, wait. So as such, it was a cinch to call up Make-A-Wish, make an appointment, tell them my problem was probably fatal, insist that it was, offer to sniff a toilet to prove it, watch them get uncomfortable and give up arguing, and fast-track a dream trip down a manhole with a boogie board. <laughs> Step three, trick my tour guide. Obviously... <laughs> You're not actually allowed to surf a fatberg, which is why I told Make-A-Wish that I just wanted to see one and test how fucked my nose is against its powerful stench one last time. 
That's why, when I got to the manhole, I asked my guide to undo the manhole for me, and then, once he'd levered enough of it up for him for me to squeeze through, told him that Mufasa himself, James Earl Jones, was behind him, and he had a gun. When he looked round, startled and starstruck in equal measure, I slipped into the sewers and used my boogie board, which he'd been too polite to ask about, to knock the lever out of the way, clearing me into blessed darkness. Step four. Surf de Burg. <laughs> the bro- I just the realized br- I have The brother made- of Christopher. <laughs> I just realized I haven't made any Christopher jokes. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to help you out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing else remained but to use the small stepladder I had also been carrying, slither on top of the Berg, de Berg, zip up the back <laughs> of my wetsuit, and drop a whole bunch of firecrackers downstream to dislodge the nappy tide. In actuality, I hadn't accounted for the high levels of methane in the pipes, and those firecrackers ignited the east side of the sewer, propelling me forward at 150 miles per hour and sending a pillar of flame out of every shitter in Greenwich. (laughs) The Meridian monster rocketed me forward, coming apart as it did, slapping me in the face with turds and clods and honks and dipes straight from the pipes. (laughs) Dipes from the pipes. Dipes from the pipes. Two cruelly discarded pet snakes wound up wrapping themselves around each of my arms and a piece of shower curtain got stuck in their respective sets of teeth, acting as a sort of cape and lending me an aerodynamism that only sped my travel. My boogie board got caught on a jutting copper pipe and I sank thigh deep into the berg itself, feeling ten johnnies wrap themselves around a toe each. (laughs) Tugging with a big toe I instantly realised that each of the Johnnies Was tied onto yet more Johnnies Forming an intricate network throughout the meat of the Berg Experimentally I clenched all the toes on my left foot Like a nervous John McClane Coincidentally the Berg reached an intersection At that point And it turned left I had inadvertently become part of a biotechnological Steering mechanism That was when I heard shouting And I knew what had happened the London sewer police had been informed that I'd gone rogue with a berg and deployed a tactical response unit in the pipe's western reaches. As I sped toward the first barricade and heard open fire, I yanked both feet upwards and performed a perfect ollie over the policemen's dif- disbelieving heads. One of them even pulled his hazmat suit hood off as if to say, wow, but was immediately sick because a bit of toilet <laughs> fell in his mouth. <laughs> That's how it continued for hours, me thwarting the police's every move and the Berg absorbing their bullets. It was only by 10pm that night that I realised something was wrong. I was much closer to the ground than I had been before and we were slowing. My Berg had taken too many hits and lost too many bits. I twisted my legs to one side and ground him to a halt. What's wrong, Jeremiah? I cooed. Daddy, I ain't got no more body and I think I'm gonna die. The Berg replied. Don't talk like that, Jerry! I screamed in anger at the situation, not him. I'm gonna have a little sleep now, Papa. Good night. Step five. Bury your fat Berg, son. I hauled the remaining Berg to the surface world and buried him in the behind the iconic Hoover building in Perryvale. I've cried ever since, but that might be because I got a bit of shit in my eye during our travels together and my eyes a bit fucked. R.I.P. Jeremiah. Be good for God. <laughs> and let's play a bit of Lady in Red. <laughs> Deburg's favourite song. 
I've never seen you covered in nappies like you are tonight I've never seen so much shite I've never seen so many Johnnies and old discarded pants Olive oil wipes and plants Growing out of the pants But now the police have shut your bits off and our surface loaded stopped, the end is nigh My sweet Jeremiah, my fat bug is dead He won't surf with me Shit. Joe, you've done one coronavirus feature already. I have. Since then, the situation has escalated out of control i really need you to take the moral heat off of me with this because no one's actually told me but i feel bad about how flippantly i treated the coronavirus you made light of coronavirus can i just tell you that my uncle who is a judge is currently <laughs> in a hotel in either spain or italy i haven't paid that much attention to the family chat presiding and over a case he, of coronavirus he's stuck he's Cooped up in a quarantine oh, situation. Oh, is he in the Tenerife t- Hotel? Yes, he is. <gasps> that Him- was on the news. Yes, there's, a, there's, there's an armed guard at the very front of the hotel, which, to my mind, sneak out the back. <laughs> yeah, but armed guards work for judges, so he could just go. Oh, yeah. No, you, pro- you probably know me from Globo Network of <laughs> Judge Corp. Globo Judge. <laughs> so which way is the guard facing? Into the hotel or out of the hotel? As a judge, you do get a tack map to see which way they're facing. (laughs) You like throw an empty bottle over the guard's shoulder, so it smashes on another bit of Tenerife, and he looks at it and goes, "Oh, what does that sound?" And he goes to investigate it. Then the judge can slip out, and as the judge slips out, he hears the guard go, "Probably nothing. Probably nothing." Sounded like a judge. <laughs> <laughs> judge bottle. <laughs> that sounded like a rustling gavel. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, the judge is coughing on people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the meanwhile, the judge. Oh, wait, yeah, it's your uncle. I was going to say some horrible stuff, but it turns out related. So I actually do. He's, Care. Not, he's not been the, the most close family member to me, so. Yeah, if he, he could, does die, he'll give me some clout on Twitter. <laughs> he could give you a, uh, get you out of a bind, though. Well, this is all. So he's a family court judge, and I uh... don't. I'm not. I'm only part of a pretended family situation because I'm gay. <laughs> so yeah, it's. Um... I nodded like I was actually agreeing with that. I didn't mean to. <laughs> In my head, Section Twenty Eight never ended. <laughs> Steve, this is all to say that the coronavirus is very serious. It's here. People are dying and dead. It's no longer okay to make jokes or have any fun about it, especially on a podcast for nice boys. Mm. So it's very important that nobody has fun or does a joke during this, my feature about a coronavirus. Mm. Mm. Solemn. And now it's time for Steve's regular feature. (laughs) Steve's, you are the coronavirus. Can you infect Scottish former professional snooker player Stephen Hendry before he retreats to the safety of his hermetically sealed panic room? (laughs) What? This is a choose-your-own-adventure. I was going to ask you some questions about the thinking behind this, but I like to think they'll be answered in the course of the choose-your-own-adventure. I love how we as a podcast go to snooker players every now and then. (laughs) Exterior. Daytime. Outside Stephen Hendry's house. 
You are the coronavirus, and you've been wreaking merry havoc up and down Great Britain for about a week now, having a right old laugh, when you lay your stinking virus eyes on the greatest prize of all, Stephen Hendry's vulnerable mucous membranes, <laughs> which are visible to you through his kitchen window. If only you can get indoors and press yourself into his soft, warm, wet, pink insides, you will have achieved everything you ever set out to do. Do you? A. Fly into the window as hard as you can. Or B. Try to find another way in. Ooh, I'm going to... I think I'm flood... Gonna, I think I can go through the molecules of the glass. Yeah, because I don't understand how a virus works. I'm tiny. You attempt to fly into the window, hoping to smash your way into Stephen Hendry's kitchen like an angry bowling ball and zoom straight into his waiting eyes. He'd hate bowling balls coming through his kitchen window as well, because <laughs> he's mu used to much smaller ones. But you only weigh three picograms, the cutest <laughs> order of magnitude of a gram. Have you, have you looked that Pico, up? Pico. Have you looked up what a, how much coronavirus weighs? I looked up how what much viruses generally weigh. Mm. And... I've heard coronavirus a bit of a heifer. I'm going to fat shame that, that prick as much as I like. So Stephen Hendry's window is as hard as steel to you, the coronavirus. Perhaps another way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, see if I know. Shall we take another way? I try another way. You catch a ride on a fresh breeze and twirl on up to Stephen Hendry's rooftop where you spy a clutch of likely looking chimney holes. But which hole should you waft down? Do you? Oh, I thought yeah, we okay, just had yeah. to choose any old hole. <laughs> a. Left. Middle chimney hole. B. Left chimney hole. Or C, chimney hole what smells like a kitchen. Oh. I think Steve wants us to pick in order of the way he says it. I'm going to say middle chimney middle hole. Middle chimney hole. You can tell by the fact I'm not looking at my script mm. that I'm improvising <laughs> the answer to this one. You waft on over to the middle chimney hole an attempt to float down it, but the convection of some sort of heat source thrusts you back up into the sky. You won't oh, be able yeah. to enter that one because it's hot. That's really good. Yeah. That's it's scientifically accurate. It's very, it's very good, but it does kind of, when we do eventually go around the holy one, which is the one from the kitchen, that's mm. the one that's more likely to reducing heat. I'd wonder how he'll get around that one whilst very. improvising through his script. Well, I'm sure the fireplace isn't lit in the kitchen. But the heat of the cooking, the cooking smells, lifting them up. Heat of the cooking, the cooking heat smells. Cooking, <laughs> cooking, cooking, cooking. Uh, left chimney. Christ. Uh, it's even hotter than that one. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bird stuck in that one. No way you're going near a bird. They've you're got, not bird flu. They've got fucking bird flu. <laughs> it's terrifying. to deal with as it is. That's an even better improv. Kitchen hole. <clears throat> Figuring that the chimney hole that stinks of Dettol and feta cheese must be the one leading to Stephen Hendry's cooking chambers, you jump on in and begin to float down to the dark innards of the unsuspecting Hendry household. You emerge from the fireplace, and Stephen Hendry 
immediately spots you. <laughs> ah! He screams, <laughs> it's coronavirus, come to get me! <laughs> he drops the tray of snooker balls he was carrying and sprints towards the bookcase. He was cooking. <laughs> scattering glossy balls all across the kitchen tiles. <laughs> coronavirus! He shouts again as he desperately searches his hands and fumbles through the books on the bookshelf, sending them tumbling to the floor. Coronavirus! Coronavirus! <laughs> After a few panicked seconds, his hands find the book he's looking for. A secret switch he pulls to activate and unlocks the house's panic room. Hidden behind the fridge, the light in the kitchen begins... <laughs> I wrote this really quickly. <laughs> in a Stephen Hendry-esque panic. The lights in the kitchen begin flashing red and a booming voice shrieks, Panic room activated. Proceed immediately to the panic room, Stephen. Ten seconds until lockdown. <laughs> It's all coming down now. Steve yeah, just looked around at us like, it's pretty fucking exciting, right? <laughs> yeah. You guys excited? This is really... this... I'm, I'm, I'm gonna... thinking we're going to Fincher with this shit. I might want to land on the black ball because he won't be able to resist just grabbing the black ball with him before he runs into the snooker room. Mm. Do you... <laughs> Panic room. <laughs> really foreshadowed oh, the, shit. the actual outcome. Oh, anyway. First Coca-Cola you... now, this. <laughs> Do you, A... Attempt to reach the panic room before Stephen Hendry, or B, try to look like some green bays. <laughs> the girl, I, I don't care what the first one is. I would like to know what happens if I pretend to be green bays. I'm going to stretch my face out and look as wide as I can. You reconfigure your molecular structure, which is something coronavirus can do. What? Well, that's how it got here, isn't it? It's something all viruses can do, yeah. I think. <laughs> to more closely resemble a scrap of green bays. <laughs> Stephen Hendry is scrambling across the floor now, flipping tables over and tearing sofa cushions open in his rush to get inside the panic room before it's too late. <laughs> Five seconds until panic room lockdown, Stephen! <laughs> Booms the automated security system. I like how haughty this is, the computer's become. Just <laughs> then, Stephen Stephen! Hendry... Stephen! Stephen Hendry spots a tiny square of green bays on the floor. That's you. <laughs> oh my god. I can't leave any green bays behind. It's the grass of snooker. You're coming with me. With that, Stephen Hendry pops you in his mouth for safekeeping. <laughs> Unwittingly infecting himself with you. You sink into the warm embrace of Stephen Hendry's tongue allowing yourself to become saturated in his saliva as you sink deeper and deeper into him. His enzymes attempt to pick you apart, but you're too strong. And Stephen Hendry's body is too nourishing. Stephen Hendry got coronavirus. You win. <laughs> is he all right? He's still in his panic room. Well, his yeah, house is like yeah, None of us can know. We'll know in... 200 years when it's set to open when, when his ancestors emerge <laughs> just the room is just full of snooker balls when they finally open it when he runs in the they keypad didn't... on the other side it's like how long do you want to lock it for it's like 200 years just he didn't case. know he was pregnant when he locked himself in there <laughs> with a full set of snooker balls he'd fertilised that whole tray <laughs> And now, it's time for my regular feature, which is which hinges off a 
a tweet I read, which um, I'm sure it was quite well retweeted, but not so retweeted that I'd feel like I was just spreading around something you'd already seen. It's hmm. not, Sue, you're shouting at T. <laughs> which is that. good. Mm-hmm. It was good, but it quickly turned into the world turning on a woman called Sue who was actually just left-wing um, and angry at Tories, which yeah. is fair play, Sue. Fair uh, play. It's nice to be angry at Tories. She more... was shouting at T, though. Yeah, she wasn't incoherently angry. She was just... I'm annoyed, and she probably hadn't seen the tweet that Yorkshire did on the, the same day it happened, where they said this didn't happen with our knowledge. I'm angry at Green King because fucking David Cameron and Nigel Farage are always seen with a pint of Green King IPA in their hands. Also because Green King are a disgusting company, and if you drink their beer, you're a cunt. But anyway... <laughs> <coughs> Your shouts like a beer log. Yeah. No, no. Actually, the phlegm of righteousness, it tastes nasty. <laughs> and so this tweet was um, about this. And it was something about the tweet was something to the effect of, oh, you don't want to fuck about with Inuit fairy tales. And this is the fairy tale that was pictured in it. There was a woman who was old, blind, and likewise unable to walk. Once... She asked her daughter for a drink of water. Daughter water. Daughter water. Was it water? She shouldn't daughter, but she did. The daughter was so bored of her old mother that she gave her a bowl of her own piss. The woman drank it all up, then said, You're a nice one, daughter. Tell me which you would prefer as a lover. A louse or a sea scorpion? Oh, a sea scorpion, laughed the daughter, because he would not be crushed so easily when I slept with him. Whereupon the old woman proceeded to pull sea scorpions out of her vagina, one after another, until she fell over dead. The end. So that's an, that's an Inuit folklore I was going to say warning. fairy tale, but you're saying <laughs> I was intrigued by it. I was thinking, where's the moral? Where's the internal logic? Where's the, where's don't give your mother-in-law piss? Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. in this one, it's the daughter-in-law. I read another version where it was um, the daughter. Mm. So these things are obviously folklore tales. This this version of the story was a story told by Panic Tuk Nakusak, collected by Ramerson Nalungiak, and it was published in a book. Called Angela Carter's tales book for Inuits. Of fairy tales. <laughs> I, Piss so, drinking for Inuits. When you first that posted this, is me trying to show respect to I the know. culture. And that's I'd why be I thankful if you didn't talk over it. I trod all over it. Those uh, fucked up fairy tales are all the old German ones, right? They're all like people cutting thumbs off or sucking them. Cinderella yeah. did a no. Weaving. Red Riding Hood did a big strip in the first one for the wolf. Right. And she did a little squeeze of the right tit, squeeze of the left tit. Choose a tit, wolf. <laughs> Want it leads to freedom. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, when you first sent that to our WhatsApp group, I genuinely thought it was one of those AI creations that we've done entire features on recently. Mm-hmm. Yes, smell the well. Because none of it makes any sense what were they doing up there this is just like you're the elder of a tribe mm. and yes yes you are panic took nakasak you're the elder of a tribe what are you telling this to your fucking tribe for <laughs> it's but like that's a, 
Germany, who produced these similarly insane fairy tales, Mm -hmm. they've had, like, fucking empires. The Inuits, I don't think they've ever had an empire. Not that I'm aware of. So I think... You've got to give them a little bit of wiggle room in terms of how fucked up their oh, fairy so tales are. Well, Empire <laughs> gives you access to better stories. But I think old German ones feel like they at least have an internal logic of like, this punishing, happened, so this happened, children. this happened. Yeah, whereas this one's just like, <laughs> my mum's got scorpions up her. Yeah, but don't feed piss to your mum. I, I get I that. Don't buy it. Don't. And if you do feed Maybe piss to your mum, and then she asks you whether you'd rather have louses or sea scorpions for a lover, maybe try the louse option. Or See if she doesn't commit suicide at you. Drink your piss, mum. <laughs> Shut up. No, you have, you've left a bit, mum. <laughs> <laughs> so having read one story, of course, I was hungry for more, and I wanted to know how deep this scorpion hole went. This led me onto the book Hunters, Predators and Prey, Inuit Perceptions of Animals by Frédéric Logrand and Jarek Ulsten. <laughs> Someone's had fun with names. <laughs> I tried to do it respectfully. <laughs> Jarek Ulsten. And this led me onto uh, the, the tale of Kiviuk, who is a, a character who got lost on a kayak and then um, had a long journey home during which he met a big bee. And um, <laughs> and various other animals. Um, he married various non-human wives, and he finally returned to his homeland. So uh, that's a distillation of the epic of Kiviuk. But this is one of his stories in which he discovers that some of his wives have been unfaithful. Mm. So he fills their mitts with worms. <laughs> When they become full, he took a caribou skin that was drying and emptied the worms onto the skin. His wives were there watching, and he asked one of them, Which is scarier, worms or a harpoon head? One of the, re- one of the wives replied, Well, since she can squish worms, they're not as scary. He emptied all the worms from his mitts and slippers onto the skin and told his wives to sit down on the skin after removing their pants. When they try to sit on the tail flap of their parkas, he cut the flaps off. The worms started crawling inside them. Lemmings started coming out of their mouths, and after a while, he became a widower. And after he became a widower, he widower, he went out hunting caribou again. So, what I'm getting from these two stories is there's a theme. There's three stages to every Inuit story. Yeah. The hero, who is a bit of a dickhead offers the antagonist a choice of two animals. The antagonist replies with a clear and well-thought-out choice, explaining their working and which animal they think would be the best in that situation, and then the hero either kills the an- himself or the antagonist with that animal. Look, was, now there's was a, the second one real? They're both, they're both real. Kivyuk's real. Kivyuk is a real character. He know. is a well-known character in Inuit... Um, uh, Folklore. I thought you'd well, done. A, see, I thought you'd done a really smart thing where you'd started doing a stupid made-up story halfway through, as if you're like reading an extract. I was going which to is say, can you really buzz in when you start thinking I've made this up? But <laughs> yeah. it's too bullshit. It's all so much bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Those two stories, the similarities between them, I think they lend credibility to one another. 
because it now the format of the stories now feel like the structure of a limerick that's part of an mm. oral history so yeah. yeah it's how stories are told so rather than remembering the plots of each story you just go okay two people animals being pulled out of orifices choose clumpens, you get one. a choice so you there's a sense of justice because if you do die you made the right choice yeah it's like i'd rather be dead than there. are we it's, academics is this an acad- are we hardcore history yeah they said there's hmm. only like seven. There's only seven stories, right? Mm. And one of them. And one is, one uh, of them is you is, get a choice of animals and they kill you. There's Animal Choice. <laughs> there's Cinderella. There's yeah. The Matrix. Batman. There's Batman. <laughs> Batman Returns. Batman Returns. The four, yeah, so you've got to have a sequel in there. Yeah. Uh, Romo and, Romeo and Juliet. Romo and Juliet. Romo. Please get to say it right. Robo and Juliet. Robo Juliet. <laughs> and, and it's follow up Robo and Juliet. Those are the seven, the seven basic stories. stories. Hell, I was Everything else is just em- that embellishments of, of those seven. I was laughing for four seconds with bubbles in my nose. You're very lucky I didn't vomit on my own laptop. <laughs> Robo Julia. So the Inuits went a different way. They so, got one story. But yeah, that's it. We've got. We're going to work very much within choice of animals. That's the story we're working with today. So having, yeah, what you say, having read those two stories and without reading any more fairy tales that might not follow the template, I want us all here today, right now, in contemporary society, to choose your own Inuit fairy tale. Mm. Great. You are my children. I am your father. I already knew that. Yep. I have come home in my kayak, and I am exhausted from a long day riding polar bears around the ice caps wearing my seal shoes. Upon hearing my sensitive you were up until that point. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably what I fucking do. (laughs) That's why I was so sensitive in the first bit. Pull back and reveal. Upon nearing my house... I find you, my disobedient sons, soaring a hole in the ice and leaving my favourite food, some boiled travel sweets, in the middle of the hoop you have just sawed out. I am just about to say, oh boy, oh boy, boiled travel sweets, my (laughs) favourite, when I see you pissing onto them and realise that my unruly children are trying to kill me. To teach you a lesson, I say, which animal would you rather marry and love forever in a court of law, a beetle or a big bee? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. There's no no further context given. Beetle, big bee. um, I do want to point out that this is quite interestingly, this is obviously the choice of two animals archetype. Mm-hmm. But and because these are both he's, animals that feature heavily in Inuit storytelling. Because yeah. Log's brought a contemporary idea to this story, we are also seeing a Romo and Juliet structure <laughs> in the wanting to kill the family. So mm. that's very interesting. Well, um, I'm, I'm going to say both can fly. No, Beetles yeah. are able to open up their carapaces and, mm. and flutter a little bit. and mm. But they're also really good on the ground. They've got, so, yeah, dual personality. I, I think because of the uh, dual terrain aspect of a beetle, I'm, I, assuming I can ride my beetle wife around, mm. I'm going to go beetle. ATB, all-terrain beetle. 
Thank you for fulfilling your part of the storytelling module Well, <laughs> by well, explaining your working. And also <laughs> while you shook your head violently at me saying a big B. <laughs> if you'd had, she's had said big B, I would have just said big beetle. Big, <laughs> big B for beetle. <laughs> big that is capital a B? Yes. Capital B on the beetle. Oh. Hearing, hearing the response of his children, the hero, me plunged an oar into his eye socket and etched a magical circle on the ground around him with the tip of the oar. Then, his body unmoving, I swiveled my head around so fast that the oar lifted him many feet away from the ground. He is me, I am him. Stop this. <laughs> do, you, do you want me to stop swapping the person? <laughs> it's freaking me out. <laughs> I am your father. So high in the air... The father retracted his foreskin halfway, and fat beetles scuttled from the bit of the cock that men with tight foreskins never see. When I said pull back and reveal, uh, <laughs> yeah. I genuinely had, yeah. in my head, I was waiting for you, you to make were, a foreskin joke. You were wow. foreskin shadowing, my yeah. friend. <laughs> nice. The beetles sought shelter in the pee-pee-wee-wee hole, but were quickly blasted into the ground by a torrent of pink blood piss. The children called upon the family pet, a salmon, to save them. Out of loyalty to the children, who had pulled the big beasting out of its gills ten years ago, the salmon swam upstream in my piss and landed a bitey kiss on the end of my cock, knocking me off balance and sending me into a black spin. I crashed to the ground, the oar hitting the ground I just mentioned and splintering open my skull like a long crowbar. Unable to contain the powerful stream of piss, the salmon's inside are blown out of its arseholes, and the beetles decide to have another go on my cock, scuttling through the salmon's guts and into my hunter's shaft inside, and utterly devouring my balls. Congratulations, unruly children, you have killed your father. But judging from the other stories and with no other evidence, I am assuming that Inuit societies are poly. Gamus. I was going to say polyamorous, but there's no love. It's just marriage. <laughs> um, can, we, can we stop your feature? Why? Yeah. Forever. <laughs> this get, one. <laughs> this one, yes, forever. Okay. Okay, cool. Oh, I didn't think you'd be that defensive about no, it. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. Is it offensive? I don't know. It's... <laughs> I, I feel... Hmm... I feel like this is a choice between a big B and a beetle. <laughs> I don't know on which to make. There's the big B. And that's continuing. And, he, and, and he's a fucking racist. <laughs> oh, okay. But on the other hand, there's the funny old beetle. <laughs> there's the beetle. Okay, I, I thought... Uh, okay. I'm down with it. I wrote this when I was sober. <laughs> Log's, Log's really good at acting and I don't know whether he's worried. No, oh, no, we're in character log. Fine. Oh, fuck! Continue with your fucking feature. Jesus! Oh, my God, I, your face dropped so severely. No, I honestly thought I was missing some kind of fucking <laughs> offensive nodule. No. <laughs> <laughs> thought, the graphic description of beetles erupting from foreskins is like, what is? What about that? Could ever? Oh, I don't mind that. I thought you thought I was being culturally insensitive. That's far. Worse. <laughs> no, I was pretending to be a prude for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. 
Trying to place myself in the mind of a reader who may be listening for the first time. <laughs> That's why I wanted it to be at the end, because that fucking let them listen to your charming features first. And I'll... <laughs> Honestly, I looked up so much about Inuit culture just to make it not culturally offensive. <laughs> I'm really well informed. This is all not exactly no- the kind of shit they'd say. <laughs> So sorry, I frightened you so much. I was like, "Oh, yeah, sorry." You were I, so focused on not being offensive about the Inuit stuff, you just forgot how basically offensive. <laughs> <laughs> Writing an extreme detail we, about what has he just been dick. doing with condoms on his toes? <laughs> <laughs> so we've established at this stage that you've killed your father, but mm. we also know from the fact that when Iviuk. Whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> um, when he killed his wives, he had more than one wife. So I'm assuming that their culture is polygamous. How will you fare against your next father, you unruly children? Let's find out. Over to him. <laughs> Hello, my two unwanted and ill-mannered children. It's me, the father who lives in an igloo even though they are mostly only used on the occasional hunting trips these days. <laughs> the inside of my igloo can reach 17 degrees when warmed by body heat, but since my wife left me, because I live in an igloo, and my unruly children only visit to pelt me with marine filth, I sit instead with the worms and beetles who fill my amulet. <laughs> Amulets are a big thing. I, I, I never okay. looked... <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Coming out of my igloo, I see my children with fists filled with foul-smelling marine filth. I shout a question to them. Would you rather finger-bang a cormorant or an albatross? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, albatross, bigger bird, biggest wingspan of any bird. Cormorant's got uh, a whacking great beak, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So I reckon it's cloaca. Might be the cloaca will come into it. Might be a little more, you know, finger friendly. Um, I would rather finger the cloaca that had a bit more purchase. So I think the tighter the cloaca, let's uh, yeah, let's 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 fucking albatross. Say that again, one fucking albatross. Okie dokie. Hearing my children's response, I turn around and shit out a giant albatross. It nods solemnly, it nods solemnly at me and points its egg hole, or cloaca, at my unruly children, firing out hundreds of large eggs that roll towards the feet of my regrettable offspring. After two minutes, the first two eggs hatch. This has unfortunately given my undisciplined progeny plenty of time to launch gallons of marine filth at me and my albatross. (laughs) The first two eggs hatch into two six-inch high fathers who each shit out a bird that's so tiny that it was hardly worth bothering and it's certainly not relevant to the story. Having dislodged what I guess amounted to their afterbirth, the miniature fathers launch themselves at the ankles of my treacherous sons. Without so much as considering the morality or kindness of their actions, my absolutely rotten children bit off the little father's hands and feet before smothering them in marine filth and hurling them at me and my albatross. 
By now, the other eggs have hatched, and a hundred tiny fathers all shit out a negligible bird before running away. Their tiny, naked, hairless bodies quickly perish in the cold, and I drop dead from symbolism. The albatross joins your team. Congratulations, you may now fight the final dad. (laughs) (laughs) I really like how much you got stuck on the phrase marine filth. <laughs> I thought it's a really, really good <laughs> set of words to be fair. <laughs> I am not I was too busy thinking of synonyms for unruly children to confuse to you with, with synonyms marine. for marine filth. <laughs> <laughs> it would just have been loads of different words. You needed an anchor. Yeah. Good choice. That's actually what I was thinking when I wrote that. Yeah. Hello. It is me, the favorite Inuit hunter. Kiviuk. That was his name. Yeah. <laughs> I am very famous for helping a lemming up a cliff, and I also had a run-in with a big bee woman who was a cannibal. I climbed the wall of her house and spat at her in order to get her attention. <laughs> Don't ask me. I'm just a wacky fairy tale character. I should point out, Log has definitely done all the required reading for this feature. <laughs> all of those things is stuff Kiviuk did. What ledge? Our yeah. Inuit readers will really appreciate. They will. They'll, they'll, they'll be less inclined in. to hate me because of something that they probably never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that only people like us read now and go, mm, I understand them. I, I get it. We're, we're on par. As an Irishman, every now and then someone is like, oh, remember that time Ku Cullen? Killed a hound with a slitter. And I was like, hey, yeah, fucking, uh, yeah. Too I, fucking right. Twice I nightly. Always hear about it. I can't get enough of that story. I, one of the, I did read an Irish um, story in this one. It was like the, the story of the foot water. Whereas if you wash your feet, you have to tip the water out because it's unlucky to have dirty foot water in your house overnight. Never heard of it. Huh? There you go. Never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Salmon of Knowledge. That's a big one. Have you heard of that one? I've heard of the Salmon of Doubt. I've heard of the salmon that swims upstream, swims upstream in your piss. To yeah, latch to onto eat your the dick. Beatles. <laughs> so I would say not all cultures have access to their rich cultural heritage. So you're doing our Inuit readers a great service with this feature. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Congrats. Why not patroners for cultural awareness? <laughs> Don't give us seal pelts. <laughs> give us money. Jesus Christ. <laughs> We just spent ages trying to work up to that. <laughs> so, yeah, I've told you I am. I'm Kivyuk, the famous hunter. I went away on a kayak. Now I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's my two dog shit children. Tell me, children, would you have the stern of your kayak attacked by giant muscles or would you rather wear clothes embroidered by tiny spiders? Um, on the one hand, there's muscles. Mm. On the other, spiders. Fuck it, I don't care. I'm Kivyuk. <laughs> I don't give a shit. You think you two are assholes? I literally killed my wives, plural, because they'd been unfaithful to me. Singular. I didn't even ask if there's any way I could be neglecting their needs. I was straight in there with a the nuclear turn them to worm option. You know what? You little fuckers are already dead. I just spat beetles on you. There's lemmings coming up your necks. Your legs are snakes. Your balls are whelks. Your spines are... Fucking seal. Yeah, let's do it. You got seals to spines. One of your knees has just turned into a bee woman and it's stinging the other one, which is a fucking penguin. I haven't, I haven't said penguin. Yeah, fuck. 
Yeah, basically, you're a pile of weird animals whose symbol I haven't managed to properly look up because the ebook is 24 quid and there's a strict financial limit on respecting cultures. <laughs> Having murdered the children I never asked for, given to me by wives I've already turned into worms, I sing my homecoming song. Assy guy, assy guy, assy, assy, assy guy. Ah. It grieves me to say your adventure ends here. And that was a genuine homecoming song of Kiviuk. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the most research that's gone into a feature for a long time. No, it's the most painstakingly presented research. You do not want to mm. grill me on the details. Yeah, no, that's, that's a very good point. I did a feature and I liked it. I hope my boyfriend don't mind it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Regular Features Podcast, the podcast that it's exactly the same every week. It's the celebration that never stops. We love cultures. If you like cultures and you like the podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash regular features and there you'll find details on how to support the podcast so that we can continue our continuing mission. To explore new worlds. The one never have done been seen before. Ain't got never got a look at before. <laughs> it seems like You've never good... clapped eyes on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a good chance for me to ask you, is Picard still shit? Oh, it's gotten so much worse. Has it? Because I stopped after episode two. The I... Picard Amazon Prime TV show is like, it's... Hilariously bad now. I'm just really fucking into how bad it is, though. Picard's oh, really? beamed down and he's done like a French accent. <laughs> no, and he's he wearing hasn't. an eye patch and he's like, Shut up, he's not. Where is the Borg? That's Zou not even. Mon ami. He's not wearing an eye patch. He's wearing an eye patch and that's not even a joke. That actually happens. He beams down and does a. They invent voice. a whole race of people who dress fancy just so he can look like that. Yeah. Are they. And, a, and an alien who can smell lies. <laughs> <laughs> that's. And they give him an implant so you can smell that's the That's in always else. sunny. There's a whole episode about Jean Claude Van Damme smelling crime. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilariously bad. And I, I, I just want it to, to dissolve into absolute full <laughs> nonsense by the end of it because I'm, I'm, I'm there for it. <laughs> I really want to like enjoy it for the for the, just for the fun and how, <laughs> how stupid it's gotten. But it really is retroactively destroying my love of Star Trek. I was too excited about it to have that. Like it's too, it was too good a prospect for me to want it to be bad. Mm. Oh no! It's absolute dog I, eggs. I, also, I do feel that Jean Luc isn't himself really into it. He's like, yeah, he's I not, get no enthusiasm from him at all. It's like I don't feel like he's uh, playing Picard. Patrick I feel like he's Stewart. just playing an actor who's playing Picard. He's just... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how dare you? I am I am an admiral of the boo-boos. <laughs> Abs- absolute bonkers. I'm amazed it's even happening. It's bizarre. It's Good. like they're so angry about Netflix and Discovery. Also, Riker's definitely going to show up because he's got a he's fucking... fucking oh, they said he is. He's got a producer credit on yeah, every yeah, single one. Every single one. <laughs> one. It's like, yeah, he's definitely going to be in it. So He'll direct some of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there'll be him sitting backwards on chairs and share. It'll be great. That'll be so, the worthwhile thing. Save your Amazon Prime subscription 
and maybe chuck us a dollar an episode instead. And I would like to shout out some people who've recently joined the Patreon crew. Yeah. As the USS Laugher Prize. These are some parts of bloody red shirts oh, for the their US us. <laughs> um hello to the following people. What? Ali. Hello, Ali. Oh hey. Samuel Cousins. Samuel! Nice cousins, nice nicer person. <laughs> what? Abba Blabab. Well, speaks for itself, doesn't it? A, a capital. A capital city. One of the yes, welcome. Uh George Barker, who has edited the pledge mm-hmm. from one dollar sixty nine nice Better to six dollars sixty six. Shut up. Fuck me. Go from the sex number to the devil number. To the sweet devs. Thank Next. you so much. That's like legitimately too much money. So that, please do edit it down. That. He's, that's, he's that's, going that. to edit it down. Next yeah. one, he'll get read out. We'll take we'll take one. The one average pledge. the average pledge amount is eight dollars. <laughs> if you reach that pledge, welcome to Golden Tier, <laughs> where you get a special podcast where we only talk about you for the entire half an hour. Benedict W. Johnson. We had this many. Uh, yeah. Idiots. This person has the word Dick and Johnson in their name. Goodness. Matthew me. Webb. Well, that's like another bit of the body. A web? Between your fingers? Yeah, have you not... No, I was yeah. was thinking of W. He'll double you by fucking you and creating children out of you. <laughs> but that's the previous Patreon, and therefore... Kind of late to the joke. <laughs> so Benedict W. Johnson feels like a an, a very full name to be public and to say out loud. It's also probably so, made up in the hope that he'd draw attention to the, the amount of dicks in his name. Mm. I hope so. Only two. A lot of syllables for a name. Cut yeah. it down. Yeah, I might just bleep it out. Benedict W. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't want to support us on Patreon, or can't... That's fine. That's also cool. That's fine, he said, with teeth gritted. Two, fine. Two-thirds of the podcast think that's, thinks that's fine. You can, as an alternative, why don't you just place your hands around our neck and strangle us? Yeah. We might as well be there. Push our heads <laughs> See if we the keep water talking. until our, we stop kicking and we're dead through lack of pledges. Mm. Or just tell your friends about the podcast. We'll That'd be nice too. Yeah. yeah, get some get some more people in the gang. Mm. Our gang. <laughs> Isn't, oh, never mind. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Before you mention Gary Glitter, yeah, yeah, time to say bye. Yeah, bye, bye, <laughs> bye, 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 bye. Regular Ficheros. <laughs>